So we're going to get into the Word of God, and I need, I, I need you to help the preacher today, okay? I know God's going to speak to your life. So turn with me. Let's jump into the book of Joshua, Joshua 6. Uh, if you are new to the Word of God, uh, or if you don't know this story, this is a time when uh, Joshua was given a prophetic promise. And this prophetic promise, they uh, passed the Jordan, and they went into the promised land. But how many know that as soon as you step into the promise of God, you face opposition? So their first opposition was the walls of Jericho. And in this passage, God gives them a strategy. Sometimes he speaks to you in ways that don't sound right. It's like, why are you asking me to do this? And so there was different ways of coming against the city with high walls called Jericho, but yet God said, I want you to do this over seven days. I want you to take laps, and I want you to march around the city. And simply put in Joshua 6:4, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. Joshua 6:4, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. If you're taking notes, I want to preach from the title of Keep Circling. Poke your neighbor and say, Keep Circling. Poke your other neighbor really hard and say, You better keep circling. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we want once again align our hearts that your word, Lord, is sacred. That is the absolute truth. We honor your word. And when it is preached, we honor it, God, with faith. We receive it today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, prophetic promises are powerful. You may not know it, but you're sitting in this room with a prophetic promise. See, our global senior pastor, Mark Ramsey, Becky's dad, my father-in-law, from the time I met him, he had this prophetic promise. He, he knew that one day his church would be here in the U.S. He knew that it's just the seed embedded into his heart, into the, the caverns of his spirit, that he, it was unshakable. This prophetic promise that one day he'd be given a church here in the U.S., and after 25 years of believing, in 2019, we were given a church in Nashville, Tennessee, which is now City Point, Nashville. You see, prophetic promises are powerful if you allow the Holy Spirit to not raise the white flag and give up on the dreams that God has given you. I remember at the age of 18, I got a prophetic promise that one day I'd lead worship in front of thousands of people. And I kept circling and kept circling, kept believing and kept believing. And finally, after 10 years, 12 years, finally in the Philippines, we stood in front of 15,000 people leading worship. You see, there is a prophetic promise that God has put in your hearts. Whether fulfilled or unfulfilled, you're sitting in this place right now, and, you, and it's not about just praying for it. It's not just about thinking about it. It's about possessing it. It's about grabbing a hold of what God has for you in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your business. You see, it's, I, I could look across this crowd and I've had so many conversations that there is a prophetic promise in this region. I mean, Lou Ingalls stood on this carpet declaring 25 years ago how he heard from the Holy Spirit. He saw a portal over northern Colorado that something good was about to happen in Colorado. Dr. Matt, who came a few months ago, when he opened up the hotel windows before he preached on the Sunday, he looked upon the mountains and he said he saw a vision of angels' wings covering the Rocky Mountains saying, man, God is about to do something. There is a prophetic promise in northern Colorado that we have to keep circling. Everybody say, keep circling. 
you see, a promise is something that is implanted into the very inner man. It gives us hope. It shouts, God is on the move. See, promises are either written in the word of God or they're declared by a man or a woman of God, but they must be possessed. You see, they must possess. To possess means to have, to hold, to own, to enjoy. The Hebrew word for possess means to be entrusted with. So in other words, we don't deserve it. We don't earn it. Jesus entrusts you with a prophetic promise to live that prophetic promise out for God and his glory. See, I'm not a window shopper. I don't know about you. I hate window shopping. If I see a guitar, I purchase that guitar. When I saw Becky, I said, that's my future wife in Jesus' name. We cannot be future shoppers, window shoppers in the Greek to possess means to acquire, that you have to go after it. When we're talking about healing, sometimes you, it just happens. Sometimes you have to go after your healing. See, we are blood washed born again, Holy Spirit filled believers. And you need to understand that everything that we need has been provided for, through, uh, for us through the sacrificial offering of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Every spiritual blessing is given to us through Christ, yet why do we seem sometimes, why, we, why don't we possess it? Why is it not happening in our lives? Why is it not coming into fruition? There's still bills need to be paid, but yet where's the promise of provision? Where's Jehovah Jireh? Where's the sicknesses need to be healed? Yet where's the promise of healing? Where's Jehovah Rapha? Life seems depressing. Where's the promise of joy? Relationships break down. Where's the promise of unity? And why, why do these promises not seem to manifest in our lives? Yet God is saying, not only to the Israelites, but to us today, there is a prophetic promise, but sometimes you just gotta keep circling. Sometimes you just gotta keep obeying. Sometimes you just gotta keep going. Don't you dare give up on the dream that God has for you. Don't you dare give up on the power of God for your life. Don't you dare stop seeking. Don't you dare don't stop knocking and pressing and pushing into all that God has promised because every promise, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God are yes and amen. Can everybody say yes and amen? amen? Jesus doesn't trick us. He is a trustworthy, faithful God, and he gives us a promise. There is no way God will ever abort the promise that he embedded into your hearts. No devil in hell can, can take it out of your hands because that seed has been placed on the very depths of, uh, of the caverns of your spirits that God wants to breathe on once again and ignite in your heart this sense of, I, I really believe in this, in this, in this service that there's, there's, you've, you've been praying the prayer this week, God, rekindle the fire in my heart. And he's about to burst a wildfire inside of your heart. Your first love experience is gonna be tripled in Jesus' name. I really believe right now in the name of Jesus that some Someone uh, is going to be healed of asthma. You're just something's clearing up right now. Just this asthma is clearing up in Jesus' name. See, God wants to reconnect you to His power, reconnect you to the his, the fullness of His might, reconnect you to purpose. Everything of God is yes and amen. And the Israelites simply had to obey. You and I in this place, this the the, the shout of keep circling, keep moving. Keep stepping. Keep going with God. 2 Thessalonians 3.13. And as for the rest of you, believers, 
Do not grow tired or lose heart in doing good, but continue doing what is right without weakening. We cannot, as a church, we cannot stop circling when it comes to the injustice in this land. We've got to keep circling to see God's justice and his righteousness restored to our schools, his righteousness restored to the universities, that, God, that our children are protected, that we, that we come to a place and we see the sex trafficking on Johnson's Corner eradicated in Jesus' name. We've got to not give up Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. We got to keep believing that no matter what happens in our presidency, no matter what happens in our political system, God is on the move and he has a prophetic promise for this house, for this city, for this nation, for this state, and for what God is doing in us. Don't us dare give up. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, and the message says this, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us, there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will now last forever. Don't you dare give up. Keep circling. Keep believing. Keep knowing that, man, as long as I have breath in my lungs, God is on the move. So how do we do this? How do we keep circling? I want to bring a few things that the Holy Spirit highlighted to me. The first is this. Could you imagine, put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites. Uh, a lot of these uh, are very, very skilled militant people, and they're told to do something obscene in the sense of be silent and just walk around the walls of Jericho. Simply obey. Just day one, walk around. Day two, walk around. Day three, walk around for seven days. And the Israelites could have easily gotten overtaken by the walls that were in front of them. They, they, they said that the walls were really, really high. You see, the first thing when it comes to keep circling, you have to raise your perspective past the walls. You have to raise your perspective past the trauma. You have to raise your perspective past the injustice. You have to raise your perspective past the bills that are unpaid. You have to raise your perspective and take the faith that God has given to us in his word and allow that perspective to shape what God is asking you to do in this, in this season, in this hour. You see, I took uh, Sienna, we were at this parade years ago, and she was about seven, and uh, we were at this parade, and she was a, you know, a little tiny one, and... Um, you know, she was, uh, we were trying to see the fireworks and the parade and all, all things that were going on, but uh, she couldn't see it because there was a blocked perspective because people were blocking her view of what was going on in the parade and the fireworks. So what had, ha had to happen is I had to pick her up. Her father had to pick her up, put her on my shoulders so that she could have a new perspective. Everybody say new perspective. See, the Father God wants to unblock your perspective. He wants to unblock your vision. I believe that we're moving into a season that the church is going to push down the four walls that we meet in every Sunday, and there will be revival touching the streets. But he can't bring revival through in and through you unless he unblocks the vision to see that you are the answer for someone that doesn't know Jesus just through one invitation, through one conversation, through one coffee. But for that person, they can now see the goodness of a loving and incredible merciful God see too many believers live with a blocked perspective why because there will always be a problem standing between God's promise and your possession and the problem right now is the city of Jericho 
Joshua 6.1 says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. So it was, in, it was imbreachable. It was unbreachable. It was impossible to get into. But how many know that our God's not intimidated by impossibility? My God's not intimidated because I came from the streets. My God's not intimidated because I came from poverty. My God's not intimidated because I didn't get a doctrine. My God's not intimidated. Guess what? I have Jesus, and I have his perspective. I have the kingdom within me, the kingdom of... See, it's a perspective change. Maybe the sign that your dream feels like it's locked up right now. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not a sign that it's locked up. Maybe it's a sign that the enemy is freaking out because he can't keep you from breaching the walls. That you're in an hour. You're in an hour. And I have these Air Jordans, so I feel really... <sighs> just anointed. I just feel... You see, imagine being the Jericonians. In the, in, the, in the day, the Jericonians, imagine being them, and they hear the whispers of how God delivered the Israelites from Pharaoh, and they hear the whispers of the Red, the, the Red Sea parting, and they hear the whispers of the Jordan opening, and now they're on the front door, the, these Jericonians, you see, maybe, this, maybe the sign of the stuff that you're scared of right now is just even more a sign that the enemy is scared of you. Can we flip the switch? Can we, can, we, can, we read, can we turn up the decibel level in what God is doing and turn on the track? You see, the Lord said to Joshua in verse 2, See, I have given you Jericho into your hands with its king and mighty men of valor. I have given it to you. So in other words, past tense. God is prophetically promising this is in front of you. It may seem impossible, but I'm, a, I'm giving to you this prophetic promise. And guess what? You have to obey and then possess. Do I have some possessors in the house? Do I have some people that want to possess the fullness of what God is doing? And sir, I don't know what it is, but God is highlighting it. Man, God loves you so much. Seriously, he is absolutely enamored with you. And you need to know, I think there's just a season of favor coming on. Uh, the, the, the struggle, the wrestle that you've been facing, uh, work-wise or relationship-wise or whatever's going on in your life right now, I don't necessarily know what it is, but man, it's, it's about to, to iron out. And God is going to bring a seamless, peaceful season in your life because he just, there's such a, there's, he just loves you. As, I mean, he is adoring you. Can I pray for you? What's your name? Clay? Well, Father, can we put our hands towards Clay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this man. We thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for all that you have called him to. Lord, bless him. Favor him. Lord, let, let the season come of ease and peace. Lord, let him rest in your strength in the shadow of your wings. In Jesus' name, bless him, Lord. In Jesus, I see visions. I see visions. Write these visions down. God is going to speak to you in the night. He's going to wake, uh, wake you up in the early hours. He's going to whisper dreams and destiny inside of your heart. He's going to start to embed these prophetic promises inside of you. And guess what? Guess what? You thought life up to this point was good. It's about to get so much better. God is about to come on the scene and explode in a mighty way in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give God praise. I never thought I'd be that preacher. Question, what do you do when what you see doesn't look like anything God has said? when nothing's materializing, when we talk about joy in church, but then you walk away depressed, when we talk about the peace of God, but yet your house is still in turmoil. See, this is what happens when you don't raise 
your perspective. And that's one of the awesome things about coming to church is you challenge your perspective. You challenge all the whispers and opinions from the weak and you bring it to God and he raises your perspective. But what you're gonna understand is that when, when, you, when you take one lap and then you take two laps and you take three laps and not even a brick starts to move. Not even a rough, ruffle of sand. And you're going, God, what's going on? And this is the danger, is faith starts to deteriorate when our expectations are not met. Your faith starts to break down if you will allow it. It starts to break down and then you start asking yourself the question, in the absence of answers, what's growing in my heart? In the absence of my body not being healed, what's growing in my heart? Is it faith or doubt? Is it faith or cynicism? You see, we gotta understand that there is a reward on the other side that God wants us to look beyond the walls. Joshua and the Israelites needed the faith, needed the faith, needed the faith of those walls being pushed down by the mighty hands of God. You need the faith of the Goliath that you are facing. You need the faith, man, to, of, of this season of obedience, even if it's as simple as walk around the walls of this building. You see, sometimes what God says is not what you see, but the enemy would love to take a problem and block your perspective and erect these walls with a keep out sign with you'll never achieve this sign, you're never gonna be healed, you're never gonna get out of debt, you're never gonna get into that college, you're never gonna go to sleep with someone by your side and a wedding ring on your finger. You're never, you're never, you're never, but we got to approach God and say, God, we know that the devil is freaking out, that we're about to take a step that's preaching in to the unknown and to the uncertain, that we're taking ground for God, that we're taking Colorado back for Christ, that this state belongs to Jesus. Come on, we, we are in a place, we're in a season. Man, could you imagine the Israelites? But they're just like, man, can we just scale the walls? Like that was done, right? Can we just storm the gates like we've done in past times? But God is saying, no, 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 no. I need you to do this. Because sometimes in order to be victorious, you have to be willing to do something ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait. Peter said to Jesus, wait, wait. This is Aaron's version. What you are going to ascend. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to leave us. So you're no longer going to be physically with us, but then you want us to go to the upper room. This is what's happening in Peter's head, by the way. You want us to go to the upper room and just wait for the Holy Spirit? Right. You see, sometimes God's ways are ridiculous. Naaman, I want you to dip one more time in the water. Elijah tells his servant, just go back again. And tell me if you can see a cloud because today it's gonna rain. Sometimes God will give you a battle strategy that does not make sense. Why am I going? What am I doing? Why did you ask me to give that? Why is this happening? God's ways are not our ways and they rarely, he rarely does things how we think and when we expect him to do this. And this is why we submit to his mysterious ways. And you see, right now, I, I believe that some of you have been pushed to your absolute limits. 
that you're at the ceiling of faith, that you've been pushed and you're here and you're going, now what, God? Now what? And God's saying, I, 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 needed, I needed you get, to get here. I needed you to put you in a place to, uh, pushing your faith to the limits, your patience to the limits, your gifts to the limits. I needed to stretch you. I needed to see you take one more lap. Why? Because if you didn't take lap one, if you didn't take lap two, if you didn't take lap three, four, five, six, and seven, if you didn't take those laps, you would have thought the walls came down because of your shout. I needed you to know that it was me who got you inside of your promise. I needed you to know there was me and it was for my glory that God was going to do what he was going to do inside in and through you in Jesus name. He pushed Abraham to the limits of his faith. I want you to sacrifice your one and only son. I want you to sacrifice Isaac. We all know the story or maybe you don't but he gets everything ready and we know that God intervenes and and eventually provided a ram in the thicket for the sacrifice and not his son. But God's intervention didn't take place until Abraham put Isaac on the altar, tied him down, and raised the knife. God pushed Abraham to the precipice of his logic. If you want to step in a new faith, sometimes you have to face the edge of the cliff of your logic and say, I'm not willing to jump. Am I willing to take a leap? Am I willing to keep circling and believing that God has called me for far greater things than just the, 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 the eight-hour grind every single day, every single week? God has called me to, to, to pass a test. Do you realize right now you're in a season where God is testing you? He tested Abraham, he passed the test, and he received a testimony. God wants you to shout his glory. It's so beautiful. But we have to lift our eyes. We have to see that God has something more in store for us. Number two is this. Understand that God's plan is to prepare you for the promise. Understand that God's plan is to prepare you for the promise. Day one, no noise, just circling. Day two, no noise, just circling. Imagine the dinner conversation. The Israelites going back and the wrestle with frustration, the wrestle with doubt. God I prayed, but it still didn't happen. God, I prayed, but it still didn't happen. You gotta understand is that in Christianity, your progress isn't always obvious. We want indicators, obvious indicators. The world's indicators of progress is, is wealth and, and, and material possessions. But in the kingdom of God, progress isn't always obvious then why is it that this wrestle, why is it that my life, it's so tough when I'm raising my kids right now. It's so tough when, when I'm praying and I don't understand when I'm praying and or I don't understand when I'm reading the Bible. Like right now I'm doing a study in Revelation and man, some of it you just gotta go, God, I need your help. Or when you're trying to get your finances in order and all of a sudden uh, you get a flat tire, all of a sudden you, you get another bill, a doctor's bill or something that comes up and you have to, you just, why am I not getting on top of things? It's not happening. And God is saying, why? Because you need to do it my way. You need to do it by faith, not by sight. You need to do it by the kingdom, not by the world. See, you need to walk around these walls and believe that I'm working even when you can't see that I'm working. Lap one, lap two, Joshua, do not quit, even if it doesn't work. I don't want you to quit. Would you do God's will even if it doesn't work? 
Would you do God's will? Even if in the disciples in the book of Acts, all of a sudden they hear the news that James just got his head chopped off. And just in this house, we just lost an incredible member of the church to cancer. Mom, beautiful family, and we prayed for her. We prayed for her. And she didn't get healed and she graduated to heaven. But the question to us is, will we continue to believe that God is Jehovah Jireh? That he is our healer? Will you, will you forgive even when they don't return the favor? Will you continue to trust even when you don't get immediate results? God wants, you, wants to know, will you still circle and circle again and pray again and press again and believe again and lift your eyes to the hills where your help comes from? If you don't see the progress, will you continue to do it? If you don't see the wrecking crew come up and wreck down the walls, will you continue to lap and believe when you don't see the walls diminished by a seventh because it's not Tetris when you believe that God is because God is training. He's doing something so deeper inside of you. And he's saying to you today, maybe I don't want you to see the progress because I'm doing a deeper work inside of your heart that you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. That you need to stay more focused on the simple steps of obedience rather than the outcome because I'm the God of the outcome and you are the one responsible to walk it out. You see, there's training, there's preparation, there's a promise that you're about to receive that God is doing within you. He's doing something so amazing, but yet, now a lot of us don't like talking about the story behind the glory. You know, this running this church, transitioning this church, it wasn't glorious. If God was to sit me, Beck and I down, and had a book, he's like, just sit down, we're gonna have some cheese and some fig jam and some awesome charcuterie board and and we're and we're gonna sit down and i'm gonna read you what's gonna happen in the first year of running city point northern colorado i'll be like nope nope sorry jesus no sorry i'm not gonna give up you know attending a two and a half thousand seater church uh running you know incredible budgets uh you know touring and 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 going to all different places all around the nation around the world uh every other month no no we're not gonna do that but yet it wasn't glorious because there's always a story behind the glory Joshua, if you look at Joshua's life, what about the lives that were lost under Joshua's command to achieve the ultimate victories? What about the embarrassing defeat of Ai, that the army was clearly inferior to the Israelites, but yet they were defeated? What about the grueling desert marches? What about the thousands of hours exhausting strategic planning, the accounting for uncertainty, anxiety, change, sacrifice, all that came from the assignment? Why? Because between the promise and the payoff of the possession of the promise, there's always something called the process. And Christians don't want to embrace the process of sanctification. The indicator for you and I that God is preparing us, what? To represent and represent Jesus Christ. That we are to look like him, act like him, respond like him. It's a season of transformation that we are to embrace this process. And the time between the conception and the completion of a vision will test every limitation of your faith. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to, to, to step into this op open process, this, this open-ended process that God has. I would love Christianity to be like NASCAR. 
I would love, like when you're watching NASCAR, on the bottom of the left hand of the screen, there's, uh, hey, lap one, done, lap two, done, and all of a sudden, before the last lap, they wave the white flag. I would love life to wave the light white flag. You're about to go into a new season of expansion. This is gonna be amazing. Wave the white flag one more lap. Just one more lap, Aaron. Don't give up on lap six. You're almost there, you're almost there, but too many Christians take the flag and wave it themselves. Too many Christians give up before they possess. They forfeit the future miracles, because when you, when you give up in the now, you're not just forgetting. Look, imagine, imagine if it's called counterfactual. Let me see if I can find it. Da, 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 Something. It's called counterfactual theories, and it's about what ifs. What if Joshua and the Israelites didn't obey God and just dropped everything and left the walls of Jericho? They're not just forfeiting the present uh, victory of overcoming Jericho, that which God called them to do. They are forfeiting everything that is beyond them in the promised land. If we were to forfeit and give up on what God is doing in this region, in this city, in this hour, we're not just forfeiting the present, we are forfeiting. Do you know how many times sometimes I don't want to preach? Do you know how many times I don't want to wake up early? and spend Saturdays in, in, in the Word and Saturdays in prayer. And Saturday, sometimes I don't want to, but then Holy Spirit reminds me, there's always someone in the room that needs an encounter with Jesus. There's always someone in the room that needs to be touched by the love of God. There's always someone in the room that needs the Word of God preached to ignite a fire within their soul, within their spirit. Come on, it's always too soon to give up. Today we're in this hour. If I could have Joe out, that'd be awesome. Let's not compromise. We gotta pick ourselves up. We gotta, we gotta take ourselves around one more time. Act like every lap is our last. One day you will be right because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You see, in order to keep circling, God says on the seventh day, circle seven times. And then he goes on to command, the ram's horns will be blown and at that point, after the seventh lap, you are to lift a shout. You are to declare the praises of God. You are to shout in this moment. What I love about the Israelites, they didn't sit there and whinge and whine and ask for reasons why a shout is gonna do anything to the walls in front of us. Why? Because God had created a heart of praise within the Israelites, and a heart of praise doesn't need explanations. A heart of praise doesn't need explanations. Because when we, when we come into a place and we begin to shout and praise and lift up the name that is above all names, all of a sudden we are we are throwing out an invitation for the atmosphere to change. We're throwing out an invitation that says, God, you are welcome here. 
And God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. I am enthroned in the praises of my people. This is why I want you to shout. Because when you lift up a praise, you are putting a seat in the very, the very front of the walls of Jericho. And watch as I occupy that seat. And I take over from here. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. Too many believers are giving God a three-legged chair. Too many believers are suppressed and paralyzed from not praising God. They're silenced. God didn't say on the seventh lap to be silent. He said, I need you to praise. I need you to lift up a shout that raises your perspective above the walls. Lift up a shout that praises him for what he's doing inside of you, even though you may not see it in front of you. I need you to lift up a praise. Even though your emotion and everything inside of you is saying, this is a bunch of baloney. In football in high school, we were in junior and senior year. Uh, we, we took state one year and we only lost like three times in those two years. But uh, every time we go to the locker room, every time we went to the locker room, the first song that came on was Another One Bites the Dust. Could our praise today, could our praise today shout and declare another Jericho bites the dust? Could your praise today shake the very foundation of walls that look impenetrable could your praise today come on declare a song that another jericho bites the dust 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 another jericho another jericho another jericho bites the dust 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 another jericho another jericho another jericho come on another jericho bites the dust another jericho bites the dust another jericho bites the dust another jericho another jericho another jericho bites the dust Another Jericho bites the dust. Another Jericho bites the dust. Another Jericho bites the dust. Another Jericho. Another Jericho. Another Jericho bites the dust. Another Jericho bites the dust. I need your help. I can't see the high. Come on. Every hand. Every hand. Come on. Every hand. Come on. Every devil that's trying to bring depression, anxiety, every devil that's opposing with doubt and fear, come on, every demon in hell that's trying to come against us, we declare on the count of three, we're going to lift up a shout of praise. Another Jericho is going to bite the dust. One, two, three. Come on, lift up a shout of praise. dust another Jericho testimonies 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 from the test testimonies come on from the absence of prayers God is lifting up a praise in his people come on God is doing something in this house 
He is doing something in this house. He's doing something inside of you. There's a reason why you're in this room. There's a reason why God is saying, hey, plant yourself. Come on, contend, believe. Circle again. Don't you dare give up on the dream and the destiny that God has called you to. How, how dare you give up on lap six when just around the corner, just, I can almost touch it. I can almost smell it. I can almost feel it. God is doing something. There. Just let me catch my breath. Can we put our hands towards heaven? Lord, right now, let the blood of Jesus wash every mind in this place and just completely wash away any negative thought pattern of giving up. Lord, any negative thought pattern of, of not finishing, not overcoming. Lord, not finishing. Lord, in Jesus' name, we just ask that right now just to be completely washed. Restore the hearts of your people. Restore the zealous pursuit, God, of simply obeying you, believing and knowing, God, even through sometimes ridiculous strategies that you are God, Lord, and you will operate in the way you need to operate. And we are your people just to simply say yes and follow you. So Lord, today, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you. This is a new day of perseverance new day of pressing, a new day of stirring, a new day of hunger. In Jesus' name, a new day of kindling. Lord, a wildfire in hearts set their hearts ablaze in Jesus' mighty name. Just right now, for the next 30 seconds, I just want you and the Holy Spirit, I just want you to draw on him ask for his strength ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you ask the Holy Spirit to give you faith clarity to see the steps moving forward whether you're supposed to say yes to going to school or whether you're supposed to say yes to starting that business whether it's about that relationship that's just started Holy Spirit we need you we don't want to do this or operate in our own strength in our own might we need you. So right now, fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit. We receive. We receive in faith. As we wait upon you, God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. looking this way online or in this room before we conclude I want to throw the net out and give an invitation and ask you this question do you, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved that Jesus Christ is Lord of your heart your life that you've surrendered and not only confessed but you're living a life wholeheartedly following after him He's knocking on the door of your heart. 
Salvation is free. It's a free gift. All you have to do is receive it. But God is looking for bold people. Bold people that will publicly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. So with every eye looking at me on the count of three, if you're saying, yes, Pastor Aaron, I want to receive Jesus. I want to repent of my sin. I don't want to just confess. I want to repent and I want to give my life to Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross of Calvary for my sin and my shame. I believe three days later he rose again. I want to receive that today. If that's you, we want to make sure everybody in this room and online has had an opportunity on the count of three. If that's you, just simply raise your hand. One, two, three. That's you in this place. Awesome decision right here. Come on. So good. Well, maybe you didn't have your hand raised, but God saw your heart. And there's something powerful that takes place in this moment. And together, we're going to say this prayer. So maybe you didn't put your hand up, but you can still say this prayer with us. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And together, let's pray this prayer and invite Jesus into our heart. Say, Jesus, I not only confess today that you are Lord of my life, but I repent. I'm sorry. And today, I receive your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And from this day forth, I will give you my entire life, all of my heart. I believe that I'm saved and I'm now a child of God. And Holy Spirit, clothe me with power. I want to be victorious in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, come on, let's give God a shout of praise.